0: Experts wonder what led to massive fish die off in the Cowichan River. Nine-year-old boy dies from an asthma attack that was triggered by wildfire smoke in British Columbia. Canadian Forces soldiers used their status and military resources to support a charity with questionable results. Calls for Recon Africa to be unlisted from the TSX and Twitter Africa's team has been ghosted by the company months after they were promised severance. Good morning, it's Tuesday, July 18th. I'm Nora and here are your headlines. We start this morning with two devastating stories related to climate change, both from British Columbia. The first, there has been a massive fish die-off in the Cowichan River. It was discovered by two snorkelers last week who saw silver spots at the bottom of the river. When they dove down to see closer, they realized that there were, quote, hundreds, perhaps thousands of baby trout and salmon, unquote. Parker Jefferson of the Cowichan Stewardship Roundtable said that they're stumped by the die-off. The temperature and dissolved oxygen levels in the water were both normal. The issue is now being investigated by the Department of Fisheries and Oceans for toxicology, reports Brendan Strain from CTV. The river runs lower than it did 50 years ago due to drier temperatures, and conservationists want to see that the weir that feeds the river, built back in 1957, be rebuilt to raise the river height by 70 centimeters. It's a proposal that is supported by the Cowichan tribe's First Nation. Next, a story that is my personal worst nightmare. A nine-year-old boy has died from an asthma attack that his parents say was aggravated by wildfire smoke. The family lives in 100 Mile House, British Columbia, and the smoke made his asthma attack more severe than others he's previously had. There are currently 360 wildfires burning in British Columbia, and it's making air quality a serious health concern in the north and central parts of the province. The BC Coroner Service issued this statement, quote, "...as the province experiences greater impacts from the effects of climate change, British Columbians are learning more about the risks associated with wildfire smoke, extreme heat, and other environmental factors." This greater awareness can help us respond when risks are identified. Of course, the notice then pivots only to personal things that people can try and do to keep themselves safe. Drink lots of water, stop doing physical activity if you're struggling to breathe, and carry around your medicine. For Carter Vi, the asthma attack hit after he celebrated a friend's birthday party. The attack came on fast and the emergency department couldn't save his life. His mother Amber said this. He was perfect. He had the perfect little freckle on his earlobe and the cutest little nose. We raised the most loving little boy. Unquote. My own kid has severe asthma, so I've been there. In reanimation, in the emergency room, waiting and hoping for my boy to stabilize. Amber is speaking out to remind parents like me to take asthma attacks seriously. Though, it seems like they did. And we do too. And yet, these issues are far bigger than anything that any one of us can control. The closest government data point to 100-mile house is in Kamloops, which is a two-hour drive away, and the air quality there was moderate. But two hours further north, ash has been covering cars and buildings. Respiratory issues with wildfires, just like heat-related deaths with heat, these are systemic issues that we cannot just tell parents to figure out themselves because it isn't how to deal with a systemic issue. The new climate denial isn't denying that climate change is happening. The new climate denial is telling people that we can fix things ourselves to deal with issues rather than emergencies like these spurning government officials into action, taking action like Giving people HEPA air filters if they need them, or fixing the overstrained emergency system that we have in this country. That is what needs to happen, not reminding parents like me to make sure that we always have our puffers when we have a puffer in every single carry out bag already. I hate this story, and my heart goes out to the family, and I hate even more that we're told by government officials who have the power to at least address things like fossil fuel obsession and resource extraction and collapsing hospital and medical services to just say, well, you got to drink more water. Next to the Ottawa citizens, David Pulezzi. He's reporting that 17 members of the Canadian forces operated something first called Trident Aid and then Mariah Aid, and in so doing, used government resources without permission. The charity then, quote, set up private side deals with defense firms that have faced allegations of mismanagement, including providing Ukrainian troops with inadequate equipment, unquote. Tulezy reports that senior military leaders, including Anita Anand and Wayne Eyre, didn't know that the officers were, quote, directly dealing with military equipment suppliers or engaged in behind-the-scenes discussions with Ukraine's government, unquote. Members of the forces who were engaged in the charity have been, quote, counseled on this specific matter, unquote, said National Defense Spokesperson Dan Laboutier. No charges were laid and no names have been released. Last November, Lieutenant Colonel Melanie Lake said in a statement to the Ottawa citizen that she didn't use government resources to help her volunteer work with these groups. Lake was the chairperson of Mariah Aid. Police reports that Lake used her official email to do the volunteer work, including signing off emails with her position as commanding officer of two Canadian engineer regiment at CFB Petawawa. Lake did not respond to requests for comment on this. Mariah Aid has been criticized for raising more than $20,000 for tourniquets that were not delivered until after Ukrainians who were waiting for them complained on social media that they didn't arrive. The charity also provided night vision systems that had problems. Lake had participated in a meeting with the offices of two U.S. senators. She appeared on camera in uniform and did not seek permission to appear there, something that the military requires of all members. They are expected to have approval if they want to participate in quote-unquote outside activity. Next, Member of Parliament Nikki Ashton with the Climate Action Network Canada and other groups is calling for the TSX Venture Exchange to suspend the listing of Reconnaissance Energy Africa due to, quote, ongoing ecological, cultural, human rights and climate impact, unquote, of its operations. Recon Africa is drilling for oil and gas in a UNESCO World Heritage Site along the Okavango River in Namibia and Botswana, reports the National Observer's John Woodside. Recon Africa is based in Vancouver and is trying to raise $6.5 million to finance its operations. The place that they want to drill is home to cheetahs, white rhinoceros, black rhinoceros, lions, and African wild dogs, all threatened or endangered species. Recon Africa didn't respond to the National Observer's request for comment, but previously told the news outlet that they would, quote-unquote, self-impose buffers to avoid sensitive areas, which is, I mean, you know not how it works. And finally, the Twitter Africa team that was laid off last November and then ghosted by Twitter is speaking out. Some of the team had moved to Ghana specifically to work for Twitter when they opened a physical office in Accra last November. The company terminated the 11 workers just four days after opening the office. It was related to the takeover by Elon Musk. The workers received no severance pay since being laid off, and they have not heard from Twitter since May when the employees agreed to accept three months of severance, the cost for foreign staff to relocate, and the cost of legal expenses. But since that discussion in May, they've received no money or further communication from Twitter. Even the package they agreed to is no good. They reluctantly agreed to it, worried that they wouldn't get anything more. It's less than other colleagues in other countries were given. CNN asked Twitter for comment, which has been futile since Musk took over the platform. Because the offer was never finalized, it's not clear that Ghanaian courts will be able to force Twitter to pay up. More than 6,000 people have been laid off from Twitter since Musk took over the company, Musk has said. Those are your headlines for Tuesday, July 18th. I'm Nora. You're listening to this at sandyanora.com on the Real News Network podcast feed and syndicated on campus radio stations across Canada. Today is Tuesday. It's Sandy and Nora Day, so a new episode drops in a couple of hours. Listen for that. Enjoy it when it comes and do your best to avoid the dangers that are in the air.